we continue worshiping today, siblings, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the Gospel according to Luke, the first chapter, beginning first with the 26th verse. Let us receive together the Word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. For mercy is, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has sown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. 
gracious and loving God, send your spirit, send your message and messengers so that we might once again receive your word for us, that we might be called forward into your holy and mending, saving and loving work in this world. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, and serve the purposes that you would have them serve. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. And now, what has seemed impossible will be revealed as possible. But seriously, should we be surprised that in the part of the story that came just before, old Zechariah had some questions when God's messenger, Gabriel, announced to him that Elizabeth would conceive a son after all indicators pointed to past it? Should we be surprised that it took Mary a minute to catch up with what was happening, that she was perplexed at the arrival and at the greeting of Gabriel? After all, she was likely just around a 14-year-old girl without flashy pedigree, husband, or cultural agency. She didn't have a voice. She didn't have power. She didn't live in a time and place where uh, young women were given voice or choice. Pregnancy out of wedlock was a crime and would threaten both hers and the child's life, and her betrothed, well, that was probably over. And yet she is singled out by God with the assurance that the child will not only survive, but thrive. She is singled out by God as worthy of being mother of a king. This simply isn't how things are done. This isn't how the world works. This isn't possible. And notice that Gabriel doesn't just deliver this proclamation and then depart, but evidently waits around to see if Mary is in. A signal, perhaps, that Mary was given some measure of agency. Here am I. Let it be with me according to your word. And after that, Gabriel departs with the good news. She said, yes. The angel communicates to Mary that some things will take place. You will conceive. He will be great. Of his kingdom, there will be 
no end. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born will be holy, the Son of God. You see, it's all just words up to this point. Gabe pulling up saying, hey, Mary, these impossible things will be. Just trust me. And in the bit of the narrative not received aloud today, after her encounter with Gabriel, Mary travels to her six months pregnant cousin, Elizabeth, who says of Mary, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. It's among the first of the Christmas wonders, this belief. So much in our world then and now might suggest that we choose otherwise. Why did Mary believe when everything about the situation was impossible? Or awful? Evidently, she knew the stories of her Jewish faith, like the story of Hannah, who sang at her long-awaited child Samuel's birth. Mary's song echoes her ancestor Hannah and is traditionally called the Magnificat. It paints a portrait of a certain kind of God, a God who is merciful, strong, impatient with destructive pride, disruptive of the status quo, a God who overturns the way things work so that the hungry and the lowly ones receive the good things usually reserved for the rich and powerful. This is the God that Mary knows And these things are not in her song, things that will be, but are proclaimed by Mary as things that are, things that have already taken place. This is the way our God acts, she sings. This is what our God does from generation to generation, she proclaims. And in the song, Mary recognizes that she has been added to God's mighty acts, that she is now part of God's revolutionary love story. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Throughout this Advent season, our reflections have pulled words from the gospel texts that highlight the dynamic, time-infused nature of the story that we tell and that point to God's engagement with the human family throughout time. After that suffering, the beginning of the good news, the one who is coming after. Now, nothing will be impossible. All words directly from the gospel. Advent is supposed to be a season 
of waiting, of anticipation for what comes next, a season of trusting that the promise, that the birth of Jesus, the birth of perfect love, justice, wisdom, compassion, and mercy will be born again in our time. And yet, when it comes right down to it, maybe it's just me I grow weary of waiting and so wander back into where we began. How long, oh Lord, if all that justice and stuff that Mary sang about are what you do from generation to generation, then why not get from will be to now? How long, oh Lord? How long until the proud boys are scattered in the racist imaginations of their hearts? How long until those in the halls of government at every level who abuse their power are truly dethroned and their sway dismantled? How long? until privilege is not reserved for those with the least melanin in their skin? How long until those brought low by the pandemics of white supremacy and COVID receive good things like debt, rent, and student loan forgiveness, gap pay, Reparations, equity in health care, and living wages instead of empty promises and crumbs. How long until it would be unthinkable? How long until it would be unthinkable that, as one scholar has suggested, America's billionaires could give everybody in the country $3,000 stimulus check and still be richer than they were before the pandemic? We may be tempted to get twisted up in righteous anger, which is all right. (laughs) We may be tempted to stay there, to get twisted up as a result in disappointment and cynicism. We may settle or eggnog and cookies or sparkly things as the only sources of joy in this season, giving up the energy that it takes to keep hoping that the story we receive at Christmas is believable in any way. And I'm not even talking about believing any particular assertion of angelic beings or a virgin birth. I'm talking about the belief in a God who actually does act with a mighty arm on behalf of the impoverished and the oppressed. 
the unexpected and the simple ones. We can lose our faith in God. We can give it up. Because it seems impossible. Takes too much energy. That's an option. We can lose our faith in God. Or we might pause and remember that throughout all of time, God doesn't lose faith in us, even with our miserable track record as a human family. The story we tell today is a shining example of some humans who were worthy of God's faith in them. They recognized that in order for the things God says will be to occur sooner, they had to do their part now. Mary and Elizabeth respond in their time, in their now. And they bear new life into their generation, new life that flows into every generation to come. Without Elizabeth, there's no John the baptizer, no preparer of the way. Without Mary and her, yes, there is no Jesus and all of the life and hope and saving grace he brings. And here's the other thing, regardless of whether Mary had ever had a child, her act of deep faith in that moment is itself a source of new life for wavering spirits down through the ages. In short, what Elizabeth and Mary did in their now made possible the promised will be. We exist now as faith community because Mary not only believed that God was able to fulfill the promise of new life, but also said, here am I. From generation to generation, God gives us what we need to do what is right to bring healing, to live justly, to share life together such that all have what they need, to let go the need to steal or to overpower or harm others. God helps us recognize that what we already have is enough to do some good in the world with and for others. God has given us everything, promised everything, hung in there with us when we turn up our noses, when we receive a divine message and respond with some version of, that's asking too much, that's too expensive, I don't have time. Someone else will take care of it, I'm sure. I'm not equipped. Thanks anyway. 
God hangs in there with that. Even puts up with us continuing to cry out to God, how long, O Lord? If we all did our part, focusing our energy, our resources on responding with a here I am to God's call, the moral arc might get bent more quickly. The how long question is partly ours to answer. And this is our now. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of the fierce urgency of now in his brave and deeply controversial speech at Riverside Church challenging the U.S. war in Vietnam. He said, we are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and history, there is such a thing as being too late. There is no time for apathy or complacency. This is a time for vigorous and positive action. We as Foundry Church have focused a great deal over these past months on our call for such a time as this. I've pressed again and again the point that this is our stretch of a long journey toward God's vision of a truly just and gentle world and that our time is now to do our part in the midst of the pandemics of systemic racism and COVID, deepening political and relational divides and crises of health, education, employment, environment, and more. There is no time for apathy or complacency or pushing off responsibility onto God as though we couldn't get something done if we each did our part. What are you doing now for justice, for peace, for love? If Foundry Kid Josie Wright Martin at age 11 can raise and contribute over $6,800 this year to Foundry's work? Well, pray, befriend, serve, lead, teach, give, Strategize, forgive, reach out, do what it is that you can do, and as much of it as you can. At the end of this challenging year, we look ahead, not only to things that will be, but to what God is doing and calling us to do right now. We as Foundry are called to participate, 
to play a role in the mending work of God, to engage and to do and to dream and to share things now and in the months ahead that will be life-changing, life-giving, that will change the world. And some may worry whether we'll have enough money or commitment or creativity or perseverance or humility to discern, much less do all that we're given to be and to become. But I believe that everything we need is already present among us. I believe that we, like Mary, are worthy of God's faith in us. And that as we respond by God's grace and make what is present in and through us available to God's call, as we each do what we can do now, well, then I believe the will be will be. For with God, nothing is impossible. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.